Y'all give me a minute to brag on somebody real quick. Can I brag for a second? Yeah, you guys mind? Uh, I just want to brag on my wife. Where's my, my wife over there? She's not in here yet, right? Let me just brag on my wife. She had a little surprise for me today. Um, she's like, hey, check out this magazine. And she gets, I'm telling y'all, she signs up for every Christian magazine in the world. So, like, I get magazines. I got a pile of magazines in my house that I'm like, would you throw that stuff away? Nobody even reads magazines anymore. But she has so many of these magazines. And I'm trying to have this conversation. She's like, open it, open it. So I open it up, and she shows me this article that I would love for you guys to read. It's called The Price of Being a Christian Woman. Uh, we're making some copies right now so that everybody, if you want one, you can have a copy. But the reason uh, this article is special is because if you look, it's written by Cicely Silva. Yeah. So, little subheading, why female Christians are targeted for their gender and what it does to their communities. So, if you're interested, uh, we're going to have some copies made and available for you after the service in the back. Um, so, come and talk to me. But, come on now, I'm married good, right? Shoot, I married a good woman. So, real quick before we get into everything else, just also... Uh, there was about 15 of you that signed up for baptism at Breakaway. And my hope and my heart is that you haven't gotten cold feet since because we haven't forgotten about you. Actually, baptism weren't scheduled till next month, uh, but I convinced uh, the, the pastoral team to move it up to this month. So at the end of this month, May 26th, which is the last Sunday of the month, we are going to be having our baptisms. And my hope is that we not only baptize the 15 kids that signed up, but those of you who are like, man, I should have signed up. And let me explain to you real quick uh, about what this means. Number one, if you signed up, I need you to be here tomorrow night at 6 p.m. before small groups, and I'm going to walk you through a class. We don't ever want you to do something just because we told you to do it. That's dumb. How many know that's dumb, right? Don't do things just because people told you to do it. We want you to understand what you're doing. And so this class is going to walk you through what baptism means, what's the history behind it, why we do it as Christians, why it's so impactful, and even more important, why it's a commandment and not an option. Okay, Jesus told us that we have to be baptized. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we must be baptized. And so we want to make sure that you come to the class. And listen, even if you're still on the fence, come to the class anyways. Be informed. We can answer any questions that you might have about it. For example, one of the common questions we get, does it count if we were baptized as a baby? Anybody ever wondered that? Does, ba does baptism count as a baby? No, it does not count. And let me real quick explain to you why. Baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward decision. So I decided in my heart to say yes to Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I have made an inward decision to reject my past life, the sin in my life, and start a new life with Jesus. That's why the Bible says you're born again, you're a new creation, right? When you are a baby, you're not cognitive of what's right and wrong. You are not able to make any decisions. You didn't decide to be baptized. Somebody did that to you. So that's more of a ceremonial thing, but that's not biblical. When we look in the Bible, every person baptized in the Bible is baptized as an adult. Jesus was in his 30s when he got baptized, okay? And the reason is because you have to first make the inward decision before you can make the public demonstration. Does that make sense, guys? And so the reason we don't believe in infant baptism is because you didn't make that decision. So if you did get baptized as a baby, I want to encourage you. Do it this time because this is now your decision. This is your life. This is your walk. And just as a side thing, 
This is one of the most powerful experiences you'll ever have. I'm already geeked to baptize all those people, man. I want my fingers to be all wrinkly and old, and, and I'm just hyped about it. So, but aside from that, this is one of those rare opportunities where people that would never go to church will come to see you. People that will never step in will come to support you. And if that's your one window, your five minutes to tell somebody about Jesus, if that can change their life forever, it's worth getting a little bit wet in the water. Amen? So I want to encourage you guys, if you signed up or if you didn't but you want to get baptized, just show up tomorrow, 6 o'clock. And if for whatever reason you're not able to make it, just let me know. I'm more than happy to try to do a separate class with you or, or make another arrangement. But I want to make sure that we baptize as many people as possible. Cool? All right. Can I tell you a quick story real quick? Um, you notice my wife, she got an article in this newspaper. And my wife has always been amazing at school, like phenomenal. Like what's the most, you can, what's your GPA, like the highest GPA you can get? 4.0? She had like a 4.5, I think she had. I'm like, how do you get more than an A? Like that's just how smart she was. She was valedictorian. You know, she graduated, some latte, something like she got her master's degree. Sicily is like right up there. P. Joey, not so much, okay? Not so much school-wise. I'm smart. I will say I would agree that I am an intelligent individual. I can carry an intelligent conversation. I got into Lane. I managed, I graduated. I, I'm, I'm an intelligent person. But I just don't like homework or schoolwork or any type of work, right? I, that's why I became a pastor, right? They don't do anything all day. I love how some people, one time somebody told me, well, all you do is preach, right? And I was like, I also slap people that say dumb things. Um, but in high school, I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't challenging, I didn't do it. So if somebody gave me like, when they give you worksheets, that worksheet, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that worksheet, that's dumb. I got great scores on tests. I always scored off the roof with tests. By the time I was a freshman in high school, I was reading at a third year college level. Like tests were fine for me. Just schoolwork wasn't. And as a result, I, I didn't always, I, I went to summer school every year. And even in summer school, I was the helper for the teacher because I knew the stuff. I just didn't do it. One year, I remember the summer school teacher was like, why are you even here? I went, I'll be honest with you, lady. I don't know. I'm just lazy. And I would be her helper and I would tutor the kids in summer school. But come my senior year, I wasn't trying to do summer school, okay? I was trying to leave. I'm trying to graduate. And so I, I kind of managed to get all my classes to be boring. Like, you get to pick a lot of classes your senior year. I had four gym classes. I'm like, yo, I'm not trying to do any work. I'm just going to chill. Like, but they gave me a chemistry class because I needed it for a requirement. And I had a pretty bad case of senioritis. Any seniors in here had some senioritis this year? Like, I remember at one point, <laughs> at one point I was in the class, and my guy's like, bro, what class are you cutting? I'm like, I'm not cutting class. This is the class I'm supposed to be in. Where you been all semester? Cutting this class. <laughs> but, you know, so I wasn't good at it. And I remember I had a chemistry class, and I, I didn't do good the first semester, and I went to Saturday school to pass that. Then the second semester comes around, and I'm failing, y'all. I'm failing bad, right? I'm at the little quarter mark right before, you know, that halfway point. And he's like, you're failing. And that's when it dawned on me that I had to pass this class to graduate. And so I'm looking at him, I'm like, dude, is there any way I can graduate? He's like, I don't know, man. You got a pretty bad F. I'm like, come on, bro. Is there any way, like, come on, man. Is there anything I can do where I can still graduate? He's like, Ugh. I mean, you're going to have to do everything. I'm like, so there's a chance, right? They're like, yeah, all right, I got this, bro. So no lie. I, I, I knew 
what the facts said, right? The facts said, I'm failing, and I'm failing bad. There's no denying I saw the paperwork. He showed me his score. I know I didn't show up for most of this class. The fact was I was failing. The truth was I'm not a dummy, and I can pass this class. And so I worked my tail off the, the rest of that quarter. I started going to class, which kind of helps a lot with grades, by the way. Just go to school, and that's like 90% of it. So I started going to class, and I started doing everything. And I get towards the end of the year, right, the last couple weeks, and I go to him, like, bro, am I going to graduate? Am I going to pass? Like, I need to know. I don't want to freak out the last few weeks. And he's looking over my scores, and he goes, you got to get at least a B on your last two tests on nuclear fusion and nuclear reactors. And I'm like, bet. I love the Simpsons. I got this, okay? So I'm, I'm freaking out, to be honest with you. And I show up, and I'm pretty sure I kept cutting class still because all I remember is taking the test in the hallway because everybody else had already took it. So I'm in the hallway, and I'm taking this test, and I'm, I'm freaking out. You know, I'm doing the whole thing. I finish the test, and I turn it into him, and he scores it right then and there. And I'm like, please tell me. I'm like, seriously, I'm about to poop my pants. I'm freaking out. And he looks at me. He goes, you pass. You got an A on both of them. And I was like, yes, this is why I procrastinate, because I get away with it. And I felt amazing. And all that to say my wife would have hated me in high school because I probably would have cheated off of her. But here's the deal. The fact was I was failing. And I had an option when I was faced with that fact. I could allow that fact to create fear, doubt, and a quitting spirit in me. Or I can rely on the truth that I am capable of passing this class. Sometimes people are delusional about facts. Sometimes people are delusional about truth. Tonight, I want to talk to you about truth and facts. And how both of them are important. And which should we allow to dictate our lives? Facts or truths? And to do that, let's look at Luke chapter 8. For those of you who were here with us last week, we looked at Luke chapter 8 and we read the story of the woman who struggled with bleeding. Uh, how Jesus was walking with the disciples and she came into the crowd and she touched him. Now, if you read the entire chapter, you'll find that the reason Jesus was walking was because a man named Jairus, a man who was in charge of the synagogue, who, who was an influential guy in the community, who was an influential Jewish man in that area, had went to him because his daughter was really, really sick. So he went to Jesus and asked Jesus to come to his house and heal the woman. And on the way there, that's when that woman was bleeding, stopped him. And so uh, we get this story picked up right after that healing. And it says in verse 49, we're going to need 49 through 55. Says, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. Let me pause right there to give you some cultural context. In those days, it was very, very common, whether you were poor or rich, to hire professional weepers, professional criers, to come to a funeral and cry. Like, you hire people to come and, like, jump on the casket and be like, hello, oh, my baby. Like, you hired somebody to do that, Okay. Low-key, I might, I might consider that. Like, I'm going to tell my wife, baby, if I die, 
get some mourners. I, I want a real crying atmosphere in that place. But that was common. They would hire these professional criers to come and, like, make it look, I guess, like people love this person. So, so these, these professional criers that are in the house that are wailing, that are crying. And the Bible tells us that he looked at them and he goes, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. By the way, that's one of my favorite life verses, give her something to eat. That's how I live my life with Sicily. Whenever I have an issue with her, I give her something to eat. And that handles about 90% of our problems. Here we have this situation. Jairus comes to Jesus because there's a great need. The fact is his daughter is sick and she's in a real bad situation. And then the news comes. Your daughter's dead. There's no point in bothering Jesus. Sometimes we get to situations in our lives and difficulties in our lives where we think this is impossible now. This situation is dead. There's no way we're coming back from this. There's no hope. The fact is the fact, and I can't go on from this. And Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. And there's this whole scenario walking around. And so here is Jairus having to decide between the fact that she's dead and the truth of what Jesus is saying. And there's this kind of back and forth that I would imagine is going on in Jairus' heart. And I think there's a few lessons we can learn from here that are important for you and I to walk in life through. If you're taking notes, the first thing is this. We need to be willing to acknowledge facts. We need to be willing to acknowledge facts. The fact was, his daughter's dead. That's a fact. The girl is dead. Now, I'm not sure if I'd get many in this room, but you may encounter some quote-unquote Christians who might say some weird things when it comes to facts. There is this uh, Western ideology and culture among Christians that they want to deny facts. And they ignore facts and they chalk it up to a bunch of other things. So you might get somebody that's, you know, has a cold, right, and they're sneezing. And you're like, oh, man, are you okay? Do you have a cold? And they'll be like, nope, in Jesus' name, I don't have a cold. And I'm like, according to me, you're sneezing all over me. You have a cold, okay? And sometimes you'll get these hyper-spiritual people that will try to pretend that it's not happening and call it faith. Pretending is not faith. Ignoring facts is not faith. And sometimes what we do is we ignore the fact because it's easier to cope with things when we ignore the facts. It's easier to deal with something when you pretend like it's not there. Sometimes we ignore the fact that we're depressed. And you'll hear this from Christians, right? I remember one time I had a young man who unfortunately was going through a really bad bout of depression. He was being suicidal. He had a plan. He had written letters. He was getting ready to take his life. I found out what was going on. Part of the protocol was to call their parents. I called his mother, explained what was going on. Her response was, thank you, Pastor Joey. We'll definitely be praying for him. And I went, no, lady, you need to get him professional help. We need to have him possibly committed. You need to make sure that he gets into counseling. You need to make sure that you take away the things that he was going to use to take his life. 
And she kept repeating, we will absolutely pray about it. I am all about prayer. I 100% believe in prayer. But I also believe that God has equipped us with a certain level of intelligence as well. That God has equipped us to be able to see and understand facts. So, again, if, if, if you have a cancerous tumor, I will pray for you. I will fast for you. I will absolutely storm the gates of hell and ask for God to move in your life. Yes. But I will also tell you to go see a doctor. Because the fact is you have a cancerous tumor. So we can't ignore facts. We can't over-spiritualize things and ignore reality of situations. And so sometimes if you're not careful, people might tell you, well, well, if you, if you acknowledge that, then you're not having faith. No, I can have faith and still acknowledge the reality of the situation. I can have faith and still understand that this is where we're at. Okay? And so facts are important. And even Jesus, when he said she was asleep, he wasn't ignoring the fact. Because if you look a few chapters later in John chapter 11, listen to what happens. John chapter 11, verse 11 through 14. In this story, Jesus is about to go raise Lazarus, one of his friends who had died. And he's about to raise him back from the dead as well. And notice what he says, verse 11. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. There's that term again. But now I will go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay. The reason I believe Jesus was saying that he was sleeping is because he knew that death is permanent and Lazarus' death was not going to be permanent in that situation. He was about to wake him from the dead. So he knew it. In my eyes, he's sleeping. But in order to not confuse the disciples, Jesus had to clarify. The reality is, the fact is, he's dead. Like dead as dead can be. Okay? So Jesus isn't ignoring the fact. All right? Jesus isn't ignoring the situation. He understands, yes, she is dead. But he also understands the truth that he can bring her back to life. So the fact is that she died. The fact is Lazarus was dead. And we need to be careful not to ignore facts. The fact was, I was failing that class, right? Sometimes we try to ignore the fact. You're like, well, the teacher doesn't like me. No teacher hates you that much, okay? No teacher hates you that much where you got like a 22% in the class. They might hate you enough where you're like close to a B and you got to C and they don't want to be nice to you. I could, I would believe that. Some of our leaders are becoming teachers. You can ask them when they get into class, how much do you hate your kids and do you not give them a good grade? But no teacher hates you to the point where you are completely failed. That is just a cop-out. That is you trying to ignore the fact and put the blame on somebody else. At some point, you got to acknowledge the fact, I cut 67% of this class. That's on me. Low-key, don't do this, but my parents, they just didn't understand a lot of things. They didn't grow up here. And so you know how back, I don't know if they still do it, but on report cards, it would tell you how many days you missed each class. So my dad was like, how come that thing says 75? I was like, it's an extra credit points thing that they give you. I'm doing really good in that class. He was like, oh, okay. And again, don't do what I do. Be better than me, all right? Be better than me. But listen, we have to be careful trying to live life in purposeful ignorance. Sometimes you'll get Christians who, who make it seem like God and science are against each other and, and they want to ignore facts. And I'm like, listen. God and science are not against each other. God just knows what science is trying to figure out because God did it. Okay, so how can he be against what he did? 
Science is just trying to discover and understand what God has already put into play in this world. And so God is not against science, but sometimes when you bring a fact to somebody, they're like, no, that's not true. So I can tell, hey, listen, the fact is my wife's wearing a pink sweater. Now you can sit there and be like, well, actually, it's blue. And I'm like, actually, you're colorblind, it's pink. <laughs> okay? Your opinion doesn't interfere with the facts. And we need to get to a point whether it's nice or not, the fact is, listen, you're not healthy physically, right? The fact is, you need to lose weight. Now, that's not a bad thing. Because sometimes we try to ignore the fact and say, no, love yourself. And I get it. Coming from, I can say this because I'm fat, all right? Coming from a fat person, I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure that I live long enough to do ministry. I want to make sure that I live long enough to see my children. I want to make sure that I live long enough to do what God has called me to do. So, yes, the truth is I love myself. Yes, the truth is I am very handsome. No denying that. But the fact might also be you need to get healthy. Not pretty, healthy. You're already pretty. But healthy is a different thing. So if you're like, listen, no, I'm, I'm the way I am. God made me this way. God made me a lot lighter. God made me about eight pounds, not 300. Okay, so we need to be careful with this idea, right? And there's some things, listen, if, if you're paranoid about, like, how close your eyes are or your nose or your ear, that's different. That has not to do with your health. That's just, that's how you look, and you need to own that and be happy with that and accept the fact that, you know what, my nose doesn't look like everybody else's nose. But that's okay. But when it comes to health, when it comes to other aspects of your life that sometimes are hard facts to swallow, you got to be willing to understand the fact is a fact, and just because I ignore it doesn't mean it goes away. I had a, a buddy of mine one time, he was checking, he said, hey, how's it going? I don't know about you guys, but anybody here have asthma? Any asthmatic people in this room? You, you're, you're like so out of breath, you can't raise your hands. Like, <laughs> so I, I don't know about, mo but for a lot of asthma people, change of season is like a, almost a death sentence, right? Like when pollen comes in and the season changes, we, we're like, you know how, like, they say people with, you know, metal in their legs can feel the weather change or something like that? People with asthma know when spring is coming because you can't breathe. You're, like, on 30% of your lungs, and everywhere you walk, it's like, <laughs> right? So it was in that time period, and I went over to my buddy. We were just hanging out. He goes, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing all right. You know, it's a little bit of the season change, and so my asthma's been kicking up. And he looks me dead in the eye. He goes, no, bro, asthma went away. I'm like, when did it go away? <laughs> He goes, when you said yes to Jesus, all sickness and death went away. And I'm like, I think I understand what you're trying to say. But I also understand that I am wheezing. I understand that God could take it away. I mean, Jonathan, God miraculously cured him of his asthma. And I praise God for what God did in his life for that. Amazing. He didn't do that in me yet. Okay. So the fact is, I'm wheezing. The fact is, a flight of stairs might kill me. Okay, that's the fact. I get it. And you say, no, man, in Jesus' name, that's gone. I'm like, I hope so. I'll pray with you. I'll believe with you. But I'm not going to be ignorant to the fact that, yes, I'm having an issue breathing. And if I'm just going to pretend like, like that's not real, that's where you get what we look at as ignorant Christians. And that's what an unbelieving world finds stupid. That's why the world that doesn't believe looks at many Christians and goes, you're just dumb. And I don't want to be a dumb Christian. Okay? I want to be an intelligent, informed, still faith-believing, still believing in miracles, but still understanding facts. 
Are you with me? Now, here's the deal. The facts are the facts, but truth is different than facts. If you're taking notes, the second thing you might want to write down is it's important for us to be believing truth. The fact was that this young girl had died. That's a fact. The truth is she's only sleeping. What does that mean? The fact is that she's dead. The truth is Jesus Christ can bring her back from the dead. The fact might be that I have asthma. The truth is God can cure asthma. The fact is that, you know, I might be unhealthy. The truth is God can enable me to get healthy. The fact might be that I was failing that class. The truth is that I could pass it by God's grace. See, facts and truths aren't against each other, okay? And we need to be able to understand because sometimes when we see the fact, it creates a fear in us. If you notice when, when they came to tell Jesus and Jairus that Jairus' daughter had died, Jesus turned around and he didn't deny the fact. He didn't turn around and say to Jairus, that's not true, she's not dead. He goes, don't be afraid, number one. Just believe, number two. Don't be afraid. Don't let the fact freak you out. Sometimes we let facts scare us. Sometimes we let facts freak us out. Sometimes the reality of the fact causes us to want to run away or succumb to the reality of the situation. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe means you got to believe the truth of what I'm capable of doing. Yes, this is the situation you're in and it's scary. But the truth is I can help you. The fact might be you're not a virgin anymore. Maybe something happened along the lines. Maybe it was your choice. Maybe it was a choice taken from you. But the biological fact of your virginity might not be that anymore. That's a fact. The truth is purity is more than physical. And God can restore your purity. He might not make your hymen grow again or he may not give you back that virginity. But he can still give you back your purity. That's the truth. So the fact of that might freak us out. When my wife and I were dating, she wasn't a virgin, I was. That fact had her pause for a moment, had her doubt for a moment. But I told her, in my eyes, you are as pure as snow. Because I know who you are since you've dedicated your life to Jesus. I know the purity that you walk in. I know the character that you walk in. To me, whatever happened before Jesus doesn't matter. Whatever you did is under Jesus' blood, and if God doesn't care about it, neither do I. I know who you are because God restored your purity, and to me you are pure. See, God's truth superseded that fact. God's truth is able to overcome the facts. God's truth is able to help us not be afraid of the facts. We don't ignore the facts. We acknowledge this is the reality of the situation. But I also understand that God is capable of doing infinitely and abundantly more than I could have ever thought or imagined. As a matter of fact, listen, John 16, verse 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will tell you about the future. What does that mean? The truth tells you about what's to come. Facts tell you about what is and has been. Facts tell you what the situation is and what it has been. Truth tells you what you will be. Truth can go beyond where your facts are. The fact might be that you wasted a lot of years of your life. But the truth is God can restore the years of your life and some. The fact might be 
that, that most of your, you know, high school career, you've goofed off when it comes to your relationship with God. The truth is God can begin to do something new now and restore the years that you missed. We have to be careful not to allow the fear of fact to undermine the truth of God's word. To undermine the power of God's truth. Because sometimes when we look at the fact, we shrink back. When we look at the fact, we, we look at ourselves and we go, well, then it's hopeless. I've messed up so many times. The fact is I keep messing up every time I'm given a new opportunity. The truth is God will give you grace after grace after grace. The truth is while there's breath in your lungs, there's still an opportunity to get right with God. But the fact is I messed up. That's true. You did. Royally. Nasty. But the truth is God can still restore you. God can still forgive you. God still loves you. See, truth is able to allow you to see fact and go beyond it. Truth, both in God's word and through God's voice. Now listen to me. Truth is not what you determine it to be. Truth is not relative to your circumstance or your ideology or your thinking. Truth is what God says. Truth is what God speaks to your heart. Okay? And by the way, God's word is what we read and what the spirit of God speaks to us. Okay? Now, if the spirit of God's voice contradicts anything that's in the word, then you know it's not the spirit of God. It's your own head. If you've ever wondered, like, how do I know if this is God speaking to me? Does it line up with everything else God has been saying in his word? Okay? So if God tells you, if you feel like, hey, I feel like the Lord told me that I need to go kick Pastor Joey in the groin during service. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that's not the Lord. And based on scripture, last time somebody even made fun of God's prophet, a bunch of bears came out and ate the dude. So, yeah, you don't mess with God's man according to God's word. So I don't think God told you to do that, right? And so sometimes we want to be careful because we want to justify things based on our truth, our personal truth. Well, this is what I believe and this is what I think. And you need to be careful with that because that truth is in line sometimes with facts. God's truth is only his. And when I say truth and leading you into all truth, I'm talking about God's truth. I'm talking about his word. That's why some of you are stumbling and falling away when it comes to the facts because you don't know the truth. And if you don't know the truth, you can't walk in it. If you don't know the truth, you can't be led by it. And I'll be honest with y'all, if we can be straight up in here, some of you are just too lazy to know the truth. You heard me say it before, you got to be extra dumb to fail the open book test. That's special dumb. That's like uber, oza, crazy dumb to fail an open, open book test. You going to fail that? And yet we fail at life not because we're bad, not because we're not good enough, but because we fail to look at the truth. When you look at God's truth, when you allow God's truth to guide you, to mold you, to lead you, then you never have to fear any fact. Then you never have to worry about what will happen because God's truth will reveal things to you and it will show you which path to take. So the question is, which is better? God's facts or God's truth? Well, I think it's a combination of both. Don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus acknowledged both fact and truth. He didn't separate the two when it came to Jairus. When they came and they said, your daughter is dead, he acknowledged the fact. Don't be afraid. Well, why would he be afraid? Because of the fact that his daughter is dead. 
So Jesus right there shows you, listen, we're not about ignoring facts. We're not about pretending like this isn't the reality of your situation. The reality of your situation might be that you need counseling. The reality of your situation might be that you need to cut off friends. Those might be facts. And that might scare you. But truth will lead you through those situations. God's truth will help you to navigate those situations. The facts might be about your past that, that they are, are haunting you, that they are hurting you, that every time you think about what you did or what you've been through, it freezes you in your tracks. That might be a fact. And you know what? The devil loves to remind you of your facts. The devil loves to point out how messed up you were and what you used to do. But the devil doesn't know your future. God does. And God loves to remind you that, yes, those facts are accurate. We're not going to pretend like that didn't happen. But you know what else is true? Me. And I can lead you into that truth. And I can take you into who you are becoming, not just who you were. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says this. <laughs> that is what the scriptures mean when God told them, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Let me tell you real quick about Abraham in case you don't know. Abraham was a man in the Bible who was called the father of many nations. Abraham in his old, or had gotten a promise from God who was told the truth that he would have nation after nation, that he would have as many descendants as the stars in the sky and the sands on the beach. A big amount of people. The problem is Abraham got really old, him and his wife. And he's looking at the fact, I'm old, she old, no baby. <laughs> He sees the facts and he doesn't understand how God's truth is going to happen. And yet, eventually his wife does become pregnant and gives birth to his son Isaac. Now this is his great possession. This is the thing that he believed God for. This is the thing that God promised. His very promise is now given birth to and being raised. And then at some point, God speaks to Abraham and tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son on top of this mountain. In those days before Jesus Christ, there was a sacrifice, usually an animal, that was given to atone for sin. Uh, because the Bible says that the consequence of sin required blood. Uh, the, the penalty for sin is death. And so something had to be killed in order to atone for the sin of man. Now it wasn't common at all for it to be a human. And yet here in this moment, God tells Abraham, I want you to kill the thing you love the most. I want you to kill the promise that I gave you. I want you to sacrifice your own son. The Bible tells us that Abraham climbs the mountain with his son, with the wood, with all the supplies. Which it's kind of funny when you read the story. At one point, his son is Isaac. He's like, yo, um, so I see we got everything but the sacrifice. Like we got the wood and all that other stuff. Uh, where's the animal? <laughs> and I think part of him is like, oh, crap, am I the animal? <laughs> like I think at some part he might have known what was going down. And yet he followed his dad. And Abraham climbs all the way up. Here's the fact. God just asked for his son. Why would Abraham listen? Seems to be against God's word for a moment, but he didn't have it. God's word was God's voice, and God's voice asked him for his son. So why would Abraham listen? Because Abraham didn't focus just on facts. He understood God's truth. And here's what Abraham understood. God is the God of the universe. God can do anything. If God asks for my son, even if I kill him, God can bring him back to life. 
Abraham is also called the father of faith. Abraham just believed God from everything. And so because of that great faith, he was willing to climb that mountain and say, God, if this is what you asked for, I will do it. Now, just to make sure everyone understands, because some of us might be like, yo, God sounds jacked up. <laughs> okay? On the other side of the mountain, there was a ram climbing up. And that ram was caught in a bush or a thicket, as the Bible says. That ram was always intended to be the actual sacrifice for Abraham. Because as Abraham laid his son on the altar, and as he was getting ready to drive the knife into him, an angel of the Lord cried out, told him to stop. God never intended for Abraham to actually kill Isaac. He just wanted to see his faith. He wanted to see if he would believe God's truth over the reality of the fact. And the truth was, God already had a sacrifice ready. And he told them to grab the ram that's stuck in the thicket and sacrifice that. God never intended for Isaac to die. The facts sometimes scare us. And the facts might be even hard to follow and hard to believe. But the truth is, always in God's word. And God will always take care of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Abraham believed and followed. Pastor Jason, worship team, if you can help me out. Listen, there's a difference between truth and facts. The fact might be you have cancer. Truth is God can heal you. The fact is you've gone through abuse. The truth is God can use that abuse in order to help heal somebody else. I was talking with uh, Raina and Priscilla earlier. They've had to live a lot of their years without their mother. And I said, you know what, there's a lot of people that are born and live life without a dad. Very few that you find go through life without their mother. But the few that do will be able to understand and hear from you in a way that they'll never hear from me. And part of the reason why God might have allowed you to go through that is because of the truth of what he's going to do through you in that. The fact is, you've made mistakes in your life. The fact is, you, you said yes to Jesus just last week and messed up royally hours later. The truth is, God still loves you. God still forgives you. God's still willing to work with you. God has not rejected you. The fact might be that you're not where you want to be. The truth is, God can still take you to where you're called to be. We can't allow the fear of facts to supersede our faith in truth. We cannot be so overwhelmed by facts that we forget truth. But at the same time, we cannot fully understand truth if we ignore facts. Truth is God forgives. Fact is you keep abusing that forgiveness. We can't ignore that. The fact is God loves you. The truth is you're not living in that love. You keep wandering off doing your own thing. The fact is God listens to our prayers. Or the truth is God listens to our prayers. Fact is he won't always respond the way you want him to. So as important as God's truth is, facts are also true. And we have to be careful to balance both. We have to be willing to understand that there is a balance in our lives between facts and truth. 
So to answer the question earlier, what should our life be dictated by, facts or truths? I say faith. Because faith allows you to balance both. Faith allows you to understand the reality of your situation. And faith also opens your eyes to the truth of what God can do in any situation. Both are important. And I think too often we fail because we're too much on one side or the other. We fail because the reality of our facts says there's no point. I might as well quit. I already messed up. I might as well mess up all the way. I've already disappointed God. I might as well, you know, sin. I remember in my life that was my thinking process. If you're going to sin, sin big. You already sinned. Might as well. But the truth is I was wrong. The truth is God can restore me. But then sometimes we fall way too much on that truth. Not in, in the sense of believing it, but in the sense of abusing it. Well, I can do whatever I want, you know, because God's going to forgive me. Yeah, that's not right, though. Well, I'm just going to, you know, live my life because the truth is, whenever I come to God, he'll forgive me. Yes, but the fact is, you may not have a whole life to do that. There's a balance between both. The truth is, you know, God loves everyone. Yes, but the fact is that he's very clear on what it means to love him. Right? The truth is, you know, I, I, I can live however I want and God's going to accept me. No, that's actually not the truth. You need to be careful with that. Because God lays out facts in his Bible as well. There's a balance of both. And when you have the balance of both, you have a steadier walk ahead of you. Does that make sense? Why don't we stand? We're going to get ready to close. Tonight I want to pray specifically for those of you who are struggling with maybe the fear of facts or the abuse of truth. Maybe there are some of you in this room that you've looked at the reality of your situation, those facts in your life, and it freaks you out. And it causes you to not move forward in God's truth. You've allowed that fact to be your identity. You've looked at it and said, you know, the fact is I'm attracted to same sex and I'm always going to be. But the truth is God can set you free from anything. And God can allow you to live a holy life even with that attraction. Doesn't mean we identify and say, well, this is not who I am. Because the truth is, I am who God said I am. The fact might be you struggle with depression. You struggle with anxiety. That might be a fact. But the truth is, if God can bring back somebody from the dead, he can heal your anxiety. He can heal your depression. There has to be a balance with both. And we have to be willing to trust God through both. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment and bow your head. In a moment, I want to pray for those in this room who need prayer for those things. But before I do, there's one more fact I need you to understand. The fact is, if you have not said yes to having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. That's a fact. But I thought you said God loves me. Yes, and there's going to be a lot of people that God loves who will still go to hell because they don't love him back. That's a fact. The fact is, those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The truth is, anyone 
who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Christ is Lord. Anyone who's willing to repent of their sins and say yes to Jesus. I'm not talking about the religion. I'm not talking about coming here every week. I'm talking about you saying yes to having a personal relationship with the God of the universe and learning to love him the way he loves you. The Bible tells me that those who are willing to do that can have an eternal relationship with Jesus. That's the truth that supersedes the fact. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room and you understand the reality of your situation, you understand the facts of where you are at, but you also want to be willing to walk into God's truth. You want to leave here knowing that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to continue to be who I was. I want to become who God called me to be. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room and say, Pastor Joey, I want a relationship with Jesus beginning tonight. Would you just lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. And we'll discover God's truth together. Thank you, sweetheart. Is there anyone else who says, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Anyone else who says, that's me. Just keep your hand up for a second. Leaders, if you can help me, there's a couple ladies in the row. They're just going to come alongside you, and afterward they're going to explain exactly what we're talking about. Is there anyone else who says, Pastor, that's me? Just keep your hand up for a second until one of my leaders comes by. Thank you, sweetheart. Two young ladies right over there. Guys, all together we're going to pray with this couple. And I want everyone to repeat after me. Now, again, there's no magic in the words. The truth is in the faith that you have. Don't be afraid. Just believe. That's where the truth lies. And so let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know what the facts are. But I want to believe your truth tonight. And, Lord, I accept you as my Savior, as my God. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and help me, Lord, to love you the way you love me. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you guys give a round of applause for that? Amen. Do me a favor. Ladies, if you could step out for a second and our leaders could just have a quick conversation. They're not going to sell you a condo. They just want to explain what's going on real quick. So if you could just take two minutes. And while they do that, I want to talk to everybody else in this room. All eyes up here. Listen to me. One more prayer. I want to pray for those who have either been struggling with facts, with the reality of your situation. Maybe you're struggling with the fact of your abuse. Maybe you're struggling with the fact that you haven't been doing things the way you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you're struggling with the fact of your own realities in your house or in your life. Or maybe the opposite. You've been abusing truth. You know God's truth, but you haven't been living in it. In either case, I want to pray for those who want to learn to balance both, want to learn to have faith and trust God through both. So if you're in this place and you say, Pastor, that's me, whichever one that is, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you lift up your hand? I want to know who I'm praying with. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I need, I need help. I need God's help to be able to balance these two. I need God's help to be able to live in these two. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that's raised right now, God. And, Lord, you see the faith that's being moved in this area, God. You see the truth of what they want to understand in you. And, Heavenly Father, I pray right now, help them to not be afraid of the situation, to not be afraid of the facts, God. 
to not succumb to it and draw back, but to trust your truth, God. Lord, I pray for a hunger for your word, God. I pray that they would continue to read and devour your word and understand truth and live truth and be in truth, Lord. Help them, God, to not limit their hearing of truth to a Thursday night a week, oh God. Lord, I pray that they would be stewards of your word, almighty Jesus. They would take time in prayer and listen to hear your voice, almighty God. Help them to not be um, realities and to not succumb to the facts, oh God, but to move in truth, oh Lord Jesus. And Father, I'm sorry for those times and those of us in this room who have abused your truth, who have taken your truth for granted, who, who think that we can get away with stuff when it comes to your truth. Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy, God. I thank you that you didn't judge us as our sins deserve. But Lord, I also pray that you help us not to continue to do that. Not to abuse truth, but to love it. So Lord, I thank you for every individual in this room, God. I thank you for the freedom discovered here. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us to show it to others. We thank you for all this, God. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Everyone said? Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. God bless you all. We love you. We will see you tomorrow for small groups. Remember, those of you who are trying to get baptized, be here tomorrow, 6 o'clock, room 5. We will see you there.